0: Hello and welcome to this IGCSE English Literature Poetry Podcast on Poem at 39 by Alice Walker. So we start, as ever, with the W of waft. What is this poem about? So it's essentially about the speaker's missing of her father and a sort of um, celebration of, of him and what he taught her. Um it was written in 1983. Um, her father died, Alice Walker's father died in 1974, which was before the success of her novel, The Colour Purple, that, which was written in 1982. But The Colour Purple was criticised for some of its portrayal of um, black men being quite sort of abusive and cruel so it's arguable that this poem is partly also a response to that criticism of the negative aspects of black male culture that she's um trying to portray a different side of um of black men uh, in the portrayal of her father but um, obviously, as I said, it's about the kind of the missing of her father and and um, what what she remembers of him. So make sure you've got that noun for W. What is the poem about? It's about the missing of her father um, and um, her memories of him. So the A of waft remember is ambiguities, different possible interpretations, and the main kind of ambiguity in this poem is um, how we're meant to perceive the father. He's not wholly positive. Um, there's certainly some negative, um, regrets in this poem or some sense that the father, um, was not always kind of there for the speaker or was not always a positive role model and there's some aspects that are ambiguous in terms of how we're supposed to perceive him so it's ambiguous exactly what impression we have of the father in the poem and and um, how positive a role model we interpret him to be um he's definitely ambiguous um so the f remembering waft is the form and structure of the poem so um in terms of the form it's written in free verse meaning that there's no fixed rhythm or rhyme scheme um the lines are all different lengths and that reflects the erratic flow of memories and thoughts that the speaker has that um her thoughts and memories of her father don't follow a set pattern they're not neat or controlled um They're quite erratic and irregular. Um, And we have lots of very short lines, um, which create a staccato effect. So it suggests both the difficulty of engaging with the memories of the father and also the speaker's determination to do so. You could argue also that the shortness of the lines um, often reflects the kind of the limited nature of the memories, that the form acts, the semantics, the speaker can't remember um, everything in depth and detail about her father. And finally, the title, Poem at 39. Um, 39 is an age... Um, I guess, associated very much with middle age, you know, is, um, in, inching towards 40, um, very much kind of youth has ended, but old age hasn't yet started. So, um, so you could argue that um, the speaker's kind of written this poem at age 39 because it's an age when she can reconcile with her father's memory. It's an age that she, you know, can remember her father himself being. And the fact that she is kind of now reaching that age means that she can um, sort of associate with and connect with him and who he was and who what he meant to her. So make sure you've got that down for WAFT. Um, and then take your three different coloured highlighters um, and the first um, the first sub-theme to write down for your first colour is um, how the speaker reflects the emotion that she felt or feels for her father, particularly a sense of yearning and the emotion that she imagines he would feel for her as well if he was still alive. Um, I've given that sub-theme yellow, Um Uh, But you can give it whatever colour you want. But make sure you've got that down. The speaker's emotion for her father and the emotion she imagines he would feel for her. And then your second sub-theme is um, uh, about the speaker's father teaching the speaker a sense of control and strength over both life and morality. So make sure you've got that down for the second sub-theme. The speaker's father demonstrated and taught her a sense of strength and control over life and morality. And... I've given that sub theme pink. You can give it whatever color you want. And the third sub theme is the speaker reflects on how she learned a positive, adaptable, flexible attitude to life from her father. So make sure you've got that down as your third sub theme. The speaker reflects on how she learned a positive, adaptable, flexible attitude to life from her father. Um, And I've given that sub theme green so um, let's start with the first sub-theme the speaker's sense of emotion that she feels for her father so the poem starts off with the blunt end-stop declarative how I miss my father and um, that's quite unusual um, in the poem because lots of the poem has um, enjambment; it has the kind of flowing on of the lines um, to reflect the erratic flow of memories so the um, blunt end-stop line is quite unusual and it immediately creates a conversational style it's as if the speaker is confiding in the reader and um, and um it's very um kind of blunt and honest which su- suggests that she's um she's treating the reader as this confidant who she can trust in her most kind of honest raw feelings and um And she she's not trying to deal in euphemisms. She's not trying to um, to be in any way um, kind of subtle about her emotion. The verb miss kind of emphasizes a strong sense of kind of longing and yearning for the father. So make sure you've got that down um, as your first point for this sub theme. And also. notice the personal pronoun my father and father and how I miss so straight away obviously those personal pronouns how I miss my father emphasizes that this is a very personal poem and which reinforces the sense that the the reader is being treated as as a confidant and for the speaker's uh, innermost feelings Um, but it's sort of strange because we would expect that um, to be followed by a positive um, image of the father, but it's not. The next um, thing to highlight is the the rest of that stanza, I wish he'd not been so tired when I was born. And um, so the verb wish creates a sense of regret and a um an idea that the speaker um, wants to change the past and that the memories of the father are certainly imperfect. Um, That the uh, intensifier and adjectives so tired allude to the idea that the father was a poor farmer, um, which he was, Um, uh, who struggled to make ends meet and therefore um, he was so busy working that he didn't have much time to spend with the speaker and um the shortness of the lines kind of reinforce that the shortness of the lines so tired when I was born enact a sense of a lack of opportunity for early bonding and connection that the speaker had with her father so um so there's a kind of whole tone of regret and dissatisfaction here and this ties in with what we said earlier about the ambiguity of how we're supposed to um perceive the father that is this a criticism um of him that um, he wasn't there or is it simply a sense that the speaker feels um sad that they didn't have more time to form a relationship when she was younger um so um the next thing to highlight for this sub theme is um, lines 24 to 26, the speaker imagines that many of my uh, truths must have grieved him before the end. So the verb grieved suggests that Walker feels some more sense of regret that um, she imagines she caused her father pain and suffering. Um, and it's again, ambiguous here, what she means by the noun truths. And um, So um, given that she was highly politically active and um, many of the characters in her novels were abusive black men, um, it's arguable that the truths that she could be referring to um, could be the Um, the kind of the harsh reality that she was writing about of what lots of black men um, were like in her, in her writing. Um, Or maybe it's the truths that um, she's mentioned earlier in the poem about her father not being there um, when she was younger in the sense that, um, that he's kind of, he's hurt that, you know, that she is sort of judging him for that. So, um, so there's an ambiguity um, as to what those truths are um that that she feels will have hurt the father in some way but certainly um it adds to the sense of sort of regret in the poem because she says before the end that temporal phrase suggests that maybe there was something before the father died that was uncomfortable or a sense of conflict between them that she is now regretting and and um, kind of wishes hadn't it hadn't happened that way and so make sure you've got that down for and for that point and then in line 27 um, your next quote to highlight is the repetition of the refrain how I miss my father um, which as you'll probably notice is a repetition of the um, the opening line of the poem, um, so obviously that repetition of the refrain emphasises the um, the sense of kind of of longing um, and yearning for for her father, and the sense that um, she feels there's a kind of loss and absence um, of him in her life. And this time, um, notice that the ex- there's an exclamation mark added instead of a full stop. And so that exclamation mark suggests a sense of um, uh, anguish and kind of an upset, um, that the speaker's becoming more emotional. Arguably, you could say that be- that's um, perhaps we could infer because it's juxtaposed with the sense of the lack of resolution in their relationship in the previous line. Many of my truths must have grieved him before the end. So maybe um, maybe there's a sense of that, that exclamation mark insinuates a, um, a kind of an anguish and torment because um, their conflict didn't get resolved. They didn't kind of reach an understanding before the father died, perhaps. Um, and then... However, the final um, quote to highlight for this sub-theme is a more positive one. It's the last stanza um, where the speaker says, he would have grown to admire the woman I've become, cooking, writing, chopping wood, staring into the fire. Um, And... that's more positive because obviously it suggests that the speaker imagines that her father would have been proud of her. The verb admire um, suggests that, despite the differences or the kind of any tensions in their relationship, that he ultimately would have had a sense of pride in the way that his daughters turned out. And um, and notice you've got very confident declaratives here. He, the modal verb, he would have grown to admire creates a, a forceful, confident tone that suggests the speaker strongly believes that her father, had he lived, would have been proud of her. And um, the verbs, cooking, writing, chopping wood, staring into the fire, and um, they're all quite sort of practical and to some extent masculine actions, particularly the chopping wood. Um, so, so it arguably suggests that the speaker is quite self-sufficient and that perhaps this is the and um, the thing that she imagines her father would have been proud of he would have been proud of her ability to um support herself obviously cooking chopping wood and um, both suggest a, a kind of practical um ability to to sustain your life and writing obviously is her way of making money as a writer um so um, so perhaps she imagines that her father would have been proud of that strength and self-sufficiency. Um, and the image of her staring into the fire, um, I think, is an ambiguous one. Obviously, the fire um, could be what you cook things on. And so um, staring into the fire could be furthering that sense of her self-sufficiency and her ability to um uh, to keep her life going but also the fire is something dangerous destructive so perhaps the image of her staring into it suggests that she's not threatened she's not um in any way frightened by the kind of the dangers that the world presents and perhaps that's what she thinks the father would have been proud of Okay, so make sure you've got all those things down for the first sub-theme, and then take your second colour, um, and we're going to talk about the quotes for the second sub-theme now, The Speaker's Father Demonstrated and Taught Her a Sense of Strength and Control Over Life and Morality. So the first thing to highlight here is the um, the whole of the second stanza. So if you look at the start of the second stanza, she says, Um, writing deposit slips and checks, I think of him. So, um, this is obviously again quite unusual because um, it's not a particularly emotional action. That we've got tri- transactional financial language here in writing deposit slips and checks, um, that suggests that the speaker's memories of the father again aren't particularly intimate memories. Instead, it suggests that he was preoccupied with work and perhaps financial troubles. Remember, Alice Walker's family were quite poor, so the fact that he's constantly writing deposit slips and checks. Um, suggests that uh, that he's constantly trying to kind of balance the family's finances. Um, the declarative, I think of him, is also quite understated. Um, it's much less emotive than the opening declarative. Um, but writing deposit slips and checks is something quite ordinary, quite everyday. So that understated declarative suggests that the... Um, this this the father's influence is in kind of um her everyday management of money and obviously money is is something that we need kind of to you know, to keep our lives going. So this metaphor—well, it's not a metaphor. It's a lit this literal sense of writing deposit slips and checks also serves as a metaphor for um, managing life more broadly. If you can manage your finances, then you're in control of your life. And so, and this introduces the idea of, of um, the father influencing the speaker's sense of control. And and. And then she says, he taught me how. This is the form he must have said, the way it's done. And so notice that um, the verbs taught and learned here and um, suggest that the father shaped the speaker's understanding and approach and we've got lots of um confident declaratives this is the form the way it is done um, that suggests a set sort of structure and approach the form um, is obviously probably a literal form in terms of paperwork to fill in but you can also have a form in doing something as in um, a set approach or standard and And so these kind of confident declaratives imply that the father um, has taught the speaker this sense of a certain um, kind of formalized approach, a sort of set structure um, to follow. Although um, we can infer that the speaker has to, um, to some extent, kind of piece her memories together because she says he must have said so the modal verb must suggest she doesn't actually remember him saying this but she's um she's kind of pieced together the the memories enough to be able to infer that that is what he said so um uh, so that sense of paperwork and that the father taught her kind of furthers the sense of control and structure that she had over her life, the sense that um, he taught her how to do things a set way. And she says, I learned to see bits of paper as a way to escape the life he knew. So um, this is sort of strange because obviously bits of paper we would normally see as something quite fragile um, and you know easily blown away and insignificant especially the noun bits suggests that there's there's something kind of small and and unimportant but the speaker combines them with the verb Escape here. And that suggests that this paperwork becomes a form of liberation. And um, that if you can manage your finances, you're not in a financial. Sort of prison so to speak with debts and and things that you have to repay all the time and um, so the verb escape suggests that um ironically in having to deal with all these financial difficulties the speaker's father taught her the importance of financial strength and and liberating yourself from debt and um in line 16 the phrase the life he knew um insinuates perhaps a life of kind of poverty or financial hardship um and in conjunction with the verb escape it suggests that the speaker um learned from her father to aspire for something better something um less restrictive um notice that in that phrase the life he knew she she's quite um euphemistic in the way that she phrases it she doesn't um condemn his life or kind of or criticize it um it's just that she she kind of saw that and realised that that was difficult and a struggle, and um, so she's not trying to kind of overtly condemn the father. And I think again that ties into the ambiguity of you know is she actually kind of praising the father that he managed to to handle money well even though he didn't have much of it, or and um, is she kind of sort of suggesting a sense of regret and, and disappointment in the upbringing that she had in kind of financial hardship. Um, and she says at the end of that stanza even in high school had a savings account so obviously high school um you're not particularly old you sort of you're a teenager and and so it's quite unusual to have a savings account um at that time and the adverb even creates a tone of sort of surprise and emphasizes how unusual it is and um, but the savings account is a Um, a symbol of kind of financial control and strength and uh, that the speaker um wanted to put in place from an early age so um so it's if you've got a savings account you've got money to fall back on um should anything bad happen should any problems occur and so um so that emphasizes that sense of um Of control that she was able to learn um, having seen her father's difficulties. Um, And then the final thing to um, highlight for this sub theme is lines 20 to 23. He taught me that telling the truth did not always mean a beating. So again, these are quite ambiguous lines. Um, So she doesn't make it clear who the beating um, would be from. So um, at the at the time that um, Alice Walker was a child, it wouldn't necessarily have been unusual to um, for parents to hit their children, and um, that would have been fairly normalised. So it could be that she's referring to her father himself here, and that when she says telling the truth did not always mean a beating, that it's. Um, insinuating that the father was kind of fair and lenient and that he taught her a moral strength that um, i.e. that that verb phrase telling the truth suggests that in being honest um, you won't be punished you will be and juxtaposed obviously with the, the phrase beating and um, suggests that and um, maybe the father taught her that if you're honest you won't be punished you won't um you won't suffer as long as you are kind of morally good um so that's one interpretation of it however um bear in mind that alice walker's family were black and that um there was systemic racism at the time it wasn't uncommon for um black americans to be targeted for example by the kkk um and this is something that alice walker wrote about a lot so um There could be a broader political lesson here in the juxtaposition of telling the truth um, and the negation did not always mean a beating. Um, So arguably, um, maybe what Alice Walker's father taught her here was that kind of morally, um, the... You know the racist forces or the cruel forces in society will not always attack you. That you have to have a, um, a sense of kind of justice and a sense of a political voice, um, and you won't always be punished for it. Bear in mind that, um, obviously in the sixties and seventies you've got the and um, the rise of the civil rights movement um, with important. Um, important speakers like Martin Luther King so um, so arguably um, th- that whole stanza t- he told me that telling the truth did not always mean a beating um, could be um, an allusion to kind of speaking out for black people's rights and the idea that maybe and um, the cruelty of society and in, um, in groups like the KKK is changing so, um, so it's very ambiguous here what kind of strength um, the speaker's Sort of insinuating that she learned from her father is it just a personal kind of fairness and, and sense of morality or is it a broader political one so make sure you've got that down for the um second sub theme and then for the third sub theme we've got the idea that the speaker reflects on how she learned a positive adaptable flexible attitude um, to life from her father so Uh, We start with this in lines um, 28 to 29. He cooked like a person dancing. And cooking is um, traditionally seen as women's work and also um a bit of a chore so um the enjambment with this um with the verb dancing on its own subverts this idea and suggests that the father um actually saw it as something positive something joyful the verb dancing gives an image of um uh, kind of embracing life and um And having a kind of zest and zeal for it. Um, And this um, very much juxtaposes the earlier images of the father being absent, being tired, working hard. Um, So this ties into the ambiguity because on one hand we've got a sense of a father kind of exhausted by life and then this image of him dancing suggests um that actually he's got a zest and a zeal for life and um so we've got a sort of multi-dimensional sense of the speaker's father from that um, and and in line 30, the image is furthered by the phrase in a yoga meditation. And yoga is traditionally associated with calm and spiritual fulfillment. So the extension of the image with that phrase um, gives a sense that the father finds um, a calmness and a relaxation and a, um, a sense of inner peace when he is cooking. And maybe that's because cooking is something that he can do for other people and for his family. It's a sense of being able to provide. So even though he couldn't provide very well financially because he didn't have much money he could provide on a kind of more personal level so so we have a sense of um the father being able to find some sense of calmness and um ownership of life there and in lines 31 to 33 it says and crave the voluptuous sharing of good food so um uh, the verbs, cra- the verb "craved" suggests um, a kind of desperate longing, and in conjunction with the verb "sharing," um, it emphasizes what the father really longed to do was. Um, be sociable and kind of and give to others, um, through his cooking, be able to form those bonds and connections. And again, this is a contrast to, um, the opening of the poem when he was sort of so tired when he, when the speaker was born, and it seems I think important that, um, although I didn't mention this earlier in structure, but. I think structurally it's important that um, the more negative images are in the first half of the poem and the more positive ones are in the second half of the poem because it means that the poem becomes more of a celebration of the, the good things about the father as it progresses. Um, and the adjective voluptuous and the voluptuous sharing of good food um uh, it suggests a kind of an excess and a, and the the idea of the food being bountiful. so and um, so it furthers the sense of the father as this generous person who enjoyed kind of giving to others and and uh, and inviting others to kind of be part of the the family and the enjoyment of things. and and um, the speaker, um obviously reflects that in herself in when she says in line 34 now i look and cook just like him and um, so the temporal adverb now creates a kind of mini volta because it brings us back to the present um and suggests that the speaker um is a mirror of her father and the way that he um, behaves and his joy for life. Um, And the way that the speaker cooks just like her father um, suggests that she's absorbed that joy for life and that kind of positivity from him. And notice you've got that internal rhyme there, I look and cook. And the internal rhyme of look and cook kind of adds to that upbeat, jovial sense that she has for life. Um, And that's furthered in the next line when she says, my brain lives and the adjective light suggests that um that she's able to enjoy life without being weighed down by burdens or expectations or um kind of negative thoughts so and um, so, so she's able able to absorb the positive things of her father's kind of joy for life without um necessarily taking on all the negative things like being worried about debt and so on that we saw earlier and 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 uh, her image of of um cooking where she says tossing this and that into the pot and um, further's the sense of the kind of positive um uh, feelings of not being weighed down or burdened like the verb tossing suggests quite a casual carefree attitude um that she's not concerned about being um uh, controlled by a set structure or routine um, and the vague phrase this and that suggests she doesn't scrutinize things too carefully and although she's talking about cooking here um this uh, can can be seen as a kind of metaphor for her attitude to life that um that she's not going to take things too seriously she's not going to be um uh kind of overly fastidious about checking everything and controlling everything and um, she's just going to go with life and be flexible and carefree and um she explicitly makes it clear that it's a metaphor for life in the next line when she says um seasoning none of my life the same way twice and that's um that metaphor um, uh, suggests that um, and that negation seasoning none of my life the same way twice suggests that she um is flexible she embraces new things um she doesn't have feel the need to follow a set pattern and seasoning um is adding um things to make something better you know adding salt or pepper or spices so that metaphor of seasoning her life suggests that she's constantly looking to and um, to change the uh, the little details that make it kind of appealing and palatable and um, uh, then finally in this subtheme, she says happy to feed whoever strays my way and um, uh, that phrase happy to feed in conjunction with the verb strays suggests that like her father she's adopted a positive sociable um, attitude that um, the verb strays implies that people um, who don't have a set home or a set direction or path kind of um navigate towards her and um and then obviously the phrase happy the phrase happy to feed suggests that she um uh, doesn't turn them away but is warm and welcoming just like her father was when he craved the voluptuous sharing of good food so um so it suggests that she uh, like her father has adopted um, an a sense of the importance of allowing other people to belong and and um, offering them company and companionship and care. So, um, make sure you've got that down as your final point. And then let's just think about some sub some um, personal response, sorry, and some deeper meanings. So, um, put that as a, tit- a subtitle in your notes: personal response and deeper meaning. So, um, first of all, we might say that. Um, we're prompted to recognise the um, the power and uh, importance a parent can have in your life, and that um, how even as an adult you will always kind of long for um, and miss and value what your parents have brought to you. Um, we could say that we're prompted to question, um, as we said at the start, with the ambiguities. We're prompted to question. Um, to what extent this is a positive um, uh, viewpoint of the father, um, and to what extent the speaker's regret is um, at the father's kind of hardships in life. So, um, so we could say we're prompted to question um, whether um, it's only as an adult that we kind of realise that our parents suffer, and that as people our parents can face difficulties. Um, and but we could also say we're prompted to recognise um, that people can take um, hugely positive things from their parents that don't have to be material things. We're prompted to recognise how our parents can shape our attitudes to life and our positive um, perspectives of um, of how we live life, even if we don't, even if they don't give us much in the way of kind of financial um, rewards or you know they don't leave us much money so in terms of poems this compares to i would say the main one you'd want to compare it to would be if because both are about the way that parents kind of influence their children and the lessons that they teach them and how they shape their approaches so um if you're doing an essay that's definitely the one i would suggest to think about um if and poem at 39 how do they both compare